Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Doug Carr, and we're going to talk about influencer marketing. How do you work with people who have influence? Should you work with everyone who has influence? We're going to explore this, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Before I get into the awesome discovery that we found, do you know who Tom Fishborn is? Uh, He's also known as the Marketunist. I came across this awesome comic, and let me describe it to you that he drew. There is a dog standing at a whiteboard drawing a pie chart, and he has a little laptop and a projector, and there's three other dogs there, and he says, we need to stay focused on our marketing priorities and not get distracted by any shiny new, and then they all of a sudden look out the window, and he says, look, squirrel, and it's hilarious because obviously this is the plight, I think, of the marketer. (laughs) Do you ever feel this way? Are you ever working on a very important, urgent project and something comes up that's new or interesting and all of a sudden you feel like that dog and up and you say, squirrel. Well, this happened to me recently. Uh, I'm working on a project that will remain quote unquote top secret. I'll call it Project Mountain Top. Might change the name of that in the next episode. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of work that I'm doing getting ready for this exciting thing that we're launching at Social Media Examiner. As a matter of fact, as I'm recording this, um, It's weeks before social media marketing world, just a few weeks. And the stress of the fact that the conference is coming up combined with this launch is kind of crazy. And I was listening to a podcast driving into work today. And uh, all of a sudden, this idea popped into my head that I need to write my next book. Hello. (laughs) I mean, like talk about a lot of work. I don't know what I was thinking, but all of a sudden I got distracted and I started brainstorming in my brain about this next book, my third book that I want to write. And I've done this before and I typically pull myself off the edge. Um, But isn't it true that us that are marketers seem to get distracted by every shiny, interesting new object? Got some interesting things to talk about related to that. And the data that I have collected for the social media marketing industry report that we're going to be coming out with in May. It's really interesting how marketers respond to new things when it comes to social. Anyways, uh, if you're like me and um, despite your best efforts, uh, you feel like everything that's new is like a squirrel and you have to ratchet your head over to the left or the right when it happens, then let me know if I'm not alone. Email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, with that, let's transition over to a really awesome new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. I'm joined today by Eric Fisher, who has an awesome new Twitter-related find. Eric, what'd you find? I found TwitShot, T-W-I-T, S-H-O-T. And what this does is it is a combination of a website 
a Chrome extension, as well as an iOS app. And what it does is it simplifies the way that you find images for your tweets. It works very much like the pin it button that you find over images on websites. Yeah, and let's clarify. On some websites, when there's a pin it button, uh, it'll just pin one image. But on other websites, when there's a pin it button, you'll see like this big swash of all the images in one little interface and you get to pick the one you want, right? Yes. So is that what this does? That's what this does. You drop in, as soon as you drop in a URL for whatever piece of content it is, this goes and scrapes that site and finds all the images and gives you the options of which one to pick. Okay. So you pick the image and then what, you know, what, what's next? How are we, I mean, you're using this right now for our account, right? So how yeah, are I've you used using this? It? I've used this a couple of times, actually many more than that, this week with social media examiner articles on Twitter. For example, I found uh, it's cutting down my time drastically. Usually it's I go in, I find the headline, or I click the tweet button, I maybe tweak the headline a little bit, give some attribution, find the image. You have to download the image and then you have to re-upload it. Download the image, re-upload the image. This, it's just, I click tweet. Usually I can click their tweet button. Grab, copy paste the whole thing, drop it over on TweetShot, or for the fact that there's a Chrome extension, I click a button over in Chrome and it magically takes me over to TweetShot. Everything starts to populate and boom, it's ready. And I just click Tweet. Now, a lot of people are like, whoa, that's a big deal. I mean, the the fact that I don't have to download the image and re upload the image and, you know, um, for your own content or for other people's content. Now, does this have any scheduling capability or is this purely live? It's purely live, so you know if you're on the go or you just happen to find something, that's you know it's it's more serendipity and, and random. Gotcha. I especially I've used the iOS app especially for that because, especially on you know a mobile phone, it's hard to grab an image, save it, then move it, then upload it. It's even harder on a on a device. Now so, is this free or does it? It cost? is. It is. It is free. Awesome. Tell people where they can find it. You can find it at twi. S-H-O-T dot com. Thank you, Eric. That's an awesome find. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Okay, with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Doug Carr. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Douglas Carr. If you don't know who Doug is, he's the author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, and he's the founder of the Marketing Technology Blog. Doug also co-hosts the podcast called Edge of the Web. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, Mike? Awesome. Great to have you. So today, Doug and I are going to talk about influencer marketing. We're going to talk about what it means. We're going to talk about whether we should go after everybody who we think is an influencer. And we're going to talk about the the dark underbelly of it and the pros and cons of it and all that kind of fun stuff. But before we get there, Doug, I want to start with a little bit of your backstory. Um, how did you get into this topic? Well, we actually... Uh, let me take it way back. So from a database marketing standpoint, I've always been intrigued by uh, the pockets or the gaps, if you will, and not the averages. And what I mean by that is in, in direct mail days, you know, it was always, oh, go after this age group and go after this gender and, and go after this neighborhood and, and you'll get 100% saturation. And what we found over time was that there was actually smaller pockets of people that, that had higher conversion rates. And when 
a transition to online marketing, um, that's a lot of what we've found out as well is, is that we see these uh, online marketing efforts where people are advertising and they advertise, uh, let's say from an SEO standpoint, they advertise for these huge keywords or, they, or they're, they're optimizing for these keywords with massive, massive search volumes and, and maybe they rank there but they don't get any results. Mm. And, and they don't get any conversions. They don't get any business out of it. And and that's an exact replica of what we're seeing with influencer marketing as well. As we're seeing people people go after these, uh, and I'll, I'll put the imaginary quotes around the influencer. Um, they spend a lot of money, and then they're not seeing results with with it. And and we'll obviously discuss a lot of those reasons here. Uh, but that's really what kind of got me focused on this was I saw just a lot of uh, the companies that we were working with making significant errors as they were selecting their influencers, researching their influencers, and then creating you know the, the campaigns around them. How long have you been doing this stuff, Doug? Oh, uh, I got a lot of gray hairs, Mike. <laughs> well, you know what? Me too, brother. <laughs> so I, I, I got out of the uh, Navy back in 1992 and started a newspaper, started doing uh, direct marketing and database marketing. Um, so I've, I've been around for quite a long time. I think my blog is, uh, is I think it's like 12 years old now, which is crazy. Um, so wait, it goes way back. Well, since you've been around for a while, as have I, yes. um, and since you wrote your book on blogging, let's just start there. I mean, you remember when blogs were kind of the way to gain influence, right? I mean, yes. um, talk a little bit about what it was like back then with blogging and maybe what your thoughts are today as, as, as these new channels and mediums have emerged as far as developing opportunities for new influencers. Well, I think, uh, you know, it, I, I always tell people, especially making that transition from traditional media to online media, I'll, I'll be honest that I don't think a lot has changed. And that's that most of the job that we're trying to do as marketers is to instill trust with someone that we haven't done business with or satisfy someone that we are doing business with um, you know, so, that, so that we have a better relationship with them. And and that hasn't changed. And and so when when I go back to you know uh, from from an SEO standpoint, what are we doing? Getting people to our site, building authority with the search engines, and then trying to get people to trust us so that they actually convert. And I think that's still the the transition or the customer journey today is is we're trying to get people to trust us. And blogging, I and social media just exploded because now all of a sudden it wasn't a name and a logo and a discount and a uh, you know, an acute video or whatever. It was wow! I actually get to talk to somebody at that company, and I get insight into what their culture is. And now, now I can build that trusting relationship uh, between us virtually. And once I do, then you know I can convert. And that's how you know my blog is a perfect example of that. That my blog led to you know the opportunity to write a book, to open an agency, to you know, do business with all of these, you know, amazing companies and clients that we do business with. It's all been through the trust and authority that I've built online. It's, uh, it's really interesting because if I think about this, I've been a blogger since 2006, which seems like an eon, because um, we are really approaching almost 10 years. Yep. And back then, uh, I was still felt like I was late to the game, but I found it very easy to establish myself as a thought leader in the industry that I was in back then, which was the white paper industry, because I could write. 
And um, back then, you know, podcasting was an alternative, but um, was much more complicated than it is today. Video was not really that big of a deal. I don't think you had the YouTube personalities back then. Um, but now today, you you have not just bloggers and video personalities and podcasters, but you also have quote unquote social personalities, right? Right. People that you never heard of before, but they got a half a million followers on Twitter. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's really interesting how it's all changed. You know, obviously the influencers today, they're everywhere, right? And um, let's start with, a, let's put on the, the cap of a marketer. Let's assume everyone that's listening right now is a marketer, whether they own a business like you and me, or whether they work for a business. Um, a lot of people um, maybe don't really understand what influencer marketing means um, or working with influencers. So let's start just at a very basic level with defining what you believe influencer marketing is, maybe in an ideal world. Well, it all starts with the audience. It's that influencers, and this is obviously my opinion and, and what what we've seen worked, is that there are people within our industry that already have an established trust relationship with an audience, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in marketing speak would be, hey, Michael owns this amazing audience that he does business with on a, you know, uh, throughout the year, and we want to be able to reach his audience. In order to reach, you know, an audience like Michael's, um, the, the best way that we can do is, is go and create an influencer marketing campaign and work with him, you know, to help us promote our products and services. Um, and so the keys there are obviously the audience, whether the audience is a match, you know, for what, you, what you're looking for. Uh, and then, you know, there is to some extent some of the reach uh, that you have. So you've established a, a wide reach and birth uh, where it makes it worthwhile from a money standpoint and an effort standpoint uh, to, to do that campaign. Okay, so just to dig a little little deeper, um, because I know we've got marketers of every shape, stripe, and color listening to this. Some are small and some are big. Um, can you give us an example of whether it's a campaign you worked on or one you've seen of uh, how this might work? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've seen it work very well. Um, you know, our, our good friend Jay Bear, right? Jay's a, an outstanding influencer in the, in the industry. Mari Smith, you know, we were just talking about Mari before the podcast. Mari Smith has um, an incredible, incredible influence within the Facebook marketing uh, place. She's trusted. Uh, she speaks on a continuous basis. She consults with companies to help them with their Facebook marketing. And so she's got an audience, basically, that if you're trying to reach people that advertise on Facebook or people that market on Facebook, Mari is definitely a person that you want to, um, to, to get on your side. And so if you're running, let's say, um, you have a social platform and, uh, or a social tool or something like, uh, like that, or you're a mobile app that integrates with Facebook or something like that for marketers, the, oh, she would be a perfect uh, connection there. Jay Bear has done it. I think Jay's worked with you know several different companies where Jay has the ear of marketing professionals and and especially in enterprise. And so if you're an enterprise you know marketer, you're probably going to you know get his ear and and see if you can work with him um, to promote your product and service. Perfect, um, perfect. Yeah. we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, later about how to approach these people and maybe even how to 
work with them. Um, and you know, whether there's financial exchange or whether there's just relationship building, we'll get into some of that, but first let's, let's start with, um, let's start with, um, the assessment stage when you're looking for an influencer, you know, um, we've talked about things like reach, but there's also popularity and influence. Like let's kind of break this down a little bit. Like what, you know, what are the, what are the differences between reach and popularity and influence? Is there a difference? Should we, is there some things we should not, you know, think that they're a superstar because of this, but maybe instead we should look at this. Let's, let's explore this a little bit. Yeah, it's the, that's the perfect conversation. And it's where I see probably half of the problem is where companies fail is that um, they focus on reach and they focus on popularity, but not necessarily on influence. And when when you talk about influence, uh, you know, I think a lot of that was confused. The whole, you know, Technorati ranking way back in the day, and and then clout, and you know, and and all of these different um, systems that measured so-called quote influence. None of them had conversions tied to them, right? They, they just said, "How many followers did you have? How many people retweeted you? How many people talked about you?" Right. But in, influence is really the the ability to influence someone to make a purchase decision. It's not to retweet or to share or, or things like that, unless you know, unless that's obviously your only your only goal. But within the business world, it's do these people make purchases based off of the advice that you provide them. And that's the key component there is that what I want to do is when I'm working with an influencer, I want to look at his target audience and I want to see whether he has captivated their trust and actually made sales off of that. And yeah, let's, let's explore this a little bit because um, it's so easy, especially when you are new to an industry or a space or a vertical or a niche and you don't know who the players are to just assume that the players are the people that have the biggest count, if you will, right on the social channels or the highest clout. And I think in the grand scheme of things, if I had to work with someone who had a million followers who were passive versus a hundred followers that were extremely active and lived on this person's every word, I would choose the one with (laughs) that had that kind of crazy loyal following. But the question that comes up is how do you know? Well, you know through purchase data, right? You know, at, how, for, but how for, do you get at that data? I guess is the question, right? Well, I, I'll I'll say that maybe you don't get at that data immediately, but some of the telltale signs of whether an influencer is really doing well is um, they've had a sponsor on their site for three years, hmm. <laughs> right? You don't see them switching up sponsors every single month. You know, that's a telltale sign that. You know, if, if, if their sponsor isn't happy with them, if the company isn't happy with them, um, they're moving on fairly quickly. So you and need so- to ask questions, uh, assuming, you're, assuming you're at the point where you are actually going to, quote unquote, commission an influencer. Yeah. It's at that point that you want to ask questions like, can we talk to some of your sponsors or how long have they been a sponsor, right? These are the kind of telltale signs, right? Absolutely. And, and then on the, con- on the contractual side of it, you want to make sure that you have outs as well. That what if it doesn't work? Am I going to be tied down for a, you know, an annual contract with you if if thirty days in we're hemorrhaging money? Hmm. Um, you know, those are the types of things that are really critical. I, I as you know, with my marketing tech blog, we have sponsors and everything, and oftentimes people come to me and they say, you know, we're we'd like to you know hire you to talk about our stuff, and and the first thing I say to them is, 
I don't, I don't know if it's going to sell. I don't know if that's, that's a good, you know, one, maybe I don't know their product or service too well. And so I need to do some more research there. Uh, but when I see a product or research that I say, wow, this is a really cool tool. This is what I've been talking about for the last six months on the blog. I want to introduce this tool. I want to do this. My first response isn't to get them to sign a sponsorship. Usually my first response is, let's write a blog post about, you know, uh, what you guys are doing and see how, what kind of feedback you get on that. And it doesn't cost them anything to do that, but they, they can see an initial, you know, an initial, um, you know, spike in, in attention. You know, one of the things that's going through my mind right now, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this, is do you have to pay an influencer to have influencer marketing? And the reason I ask this is because you could argue that I have been building relationships with influencers like yourself for years, and I've never paid any of you. Yeah. And um, there is there is a side to influencer marketing that is really code word for relationship marketing, is there not? There is. There absolutely is. I think there's there's there's... But but there's still value. The money is exchanging hands, whether you know it or not. You know, you and I have an incredible relationship, but there's also obviously um, a, a sense of authority that comes with the fact that I get to speak at your events once a year. We do the podcasts, you know, things like that. Those are important things to me that I know carry weight as an influencer that lead down the road to, to opportunities with companies. And I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that I've been talking about for a long time, which is it's really important when you're trying to develop relationships with people that, that you're convinced have influence, it's important to know what their needs are. Yes. And a lot of people have needs that very shift and change. For example, some want exposure to an audience that they do not have in front of them currently. Others, um, Others, for example, let's say there's a really high profile people person in a different industry and um, you could go to that person and you could say, hey, my industry would love to hear your message. I can help you get in front of this audience and that might be very valuable to that person and because smart you know, influencers are always trying to grow their reach and all the other things. They're influenced in different spaces. Another thing is like a lot of influencers write books. And when those books are out, usually within a 60-day window, they're looking for all the press they can get for those books. Yes. And that's an incredible opportunity to go overboard and develop a great relationship and get to know these people. Um, obviously, going to events is a great way to get to know influencers. I mean, I cannot tell you how many people that speak at my event I first met at another event. That's what happened with yeah. you and me, Doug. Right. We met at Blog World many years ago. Yeah. So I just wanted to divert down that path a little bit because I want people to know that um, I think that, you know, um, you can do this if you're thinking about what the influencer wants. And oftentimes it's just one of a few things. They either want money or they want exposure or they want possibly, you know, speaking gigs or, you know, whatever. Um, but if you know what they want and you can usually tell what they want because you can see they talk about it all the time on their profiles, you know. I'm traveling here. I'm speaking here. I'm excited to do this. Those are telltale signs of what they're interested in. Just a little rant. Um, no, you're, you're right. And we have, we have a unique, you know, kind of secret in our industry too. And that's that, you know, we all help promote one another and we don't see each other as competitors. And that's a, that's, that's pretty unique when you, when you look at other B2B and, you know, B2C plays where, 
you know, people, I don't want to be on his show. He's always touting this person or that person's the sponsor or whatever. And the way that we look at it is quite different, right? And that's that, you know, uh, when I introduce Michael to my audience, he brings with him value and I wind up adding value to my audience. So they trust me more. Um, One plus one equals three, right? It absolutely is that way. Yes. Okay, let's talk about when influencer marketing can go bad. I know you've got an interesting story that uh, we we talked about before we hit record. Why don't you tell us about what happened at the Brickyard? Yeah, so so out here in Indianapolis, that's where our home is and that's where our office is. Um, obviously, if you go to Clout and you look up Indianapolis uh, or any other you know tool, you're going to see Douglas Carr way up at the top there, and there, you're going to see probably twenty or thirty other social media people here in town that that have great quote, influence uh, based on their, their location. And so the, the local racetrack here has uh, an interesting problem, and that's that they put on this spectacle that's worldwide that people literally come from all over the world to, to watch the Indy 500, and then the Brickyard, of course, is a nationally known event. Um, but, but they have a problem in introducing and acquiring new people to the sport. It's typically a hand-me-down sport, you know, that, that it's uh, different groups of people and different age groups that, that go. And so they came up with this incredible idea, you know, well, you know what we'll do is we'll, we'll just give these social influencers for Indianapolis uh, sweet tickets and, you know, they can go down and meet the drivers and everything else. And, and they're going to brag about us online and, and we're going to sell tickets, you know, like hotcakes. And, uh, and so it was funny because I got an email that basically spelled that out. They said, you know, you're a social influencer in town. We want to get you out here. And I wrote them back immediately and I said, okay, before you write anybody else, please let me come talk to you about this uh, because I, I want to make sure that this is, this is worthwhile. And um, they didn't. Uh, and so the next thing that happened, I think about 30 of my friends went out there to the track. I wound up skipping it. You know, after I had the best tickets in town, I didn't even go to the Brickyard. Um, and, and my friends, you know, basically came back and told me that, you know, they had drivers walk in and nobody knew they were drivers. So nobody took pictures of them. Uh, they had, you know, <laughs> they, they, they basically ate, drank, talked to each other, uh, never watched the race and then left. And they didn't wow. talk and they didn't talk about it online. They didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was a epic failure, huh? In my opinion, it was an epic failure and it could have been really easily turned around. I mean, they could have done some things that, um, you know, know, let's talk about that. Like, because, you know, let's, let's get some lessons out of this. What could they have done differently that our listeners could do to make sure they don't have that kind of situation happen? Well, the first thing is I guarantee that if they would have analyzed the audience instead of the reach, they would have found different influencers. So I think there probably could have been 10 or 20 different people that have influence in with a race following here in town um, that, that those would have been the right people to absolutely bring into the you know, to bring into the mix. And that would have attracted obviously people that were directly um, you know, influential there. Hmm. There's different races, right? There's Indy and there's NASCAR and there's Moto and there's all these different, you know, so they could have brought people from other, you know, other silos, if you will, that had expertise and brought them into there. The, the, but the, I think the most important is even if they did come to people like me, 
what they needed to do with people like me was explain why it was relevant to me. And, and that's, you know, that's the next phase of this conversation here is that what they really needed to come to me with was the story. Mm. And I, I would have loved to have met some people at the track um, instead of being surrounded by people like me. I would have loved to have met, you know, some of the families that were spending the day out at the track or uh, a family that came, you know, flew in from Florida or flew in from overseas, you know, that, that came in and this was their, you know, eighth time at the Brickyard and what it meant to them. And, and then events around the Brickyard, if you've ever been to the Indianapolis Raceway, it's absolutely huge. It's, it's, it's beyond work description and there's concerts going on and there's, restaurants there's you know there's all this activity and we didn't know any of that there's a museum they probably should have given you some sort of a document ahead of time that's got some factoids and historical data right exactly it is is okay if if they want to reach new people in indianapolis and they want to attract people to the brickyard tell me the stories about people like myself yeah give me pictures of the of the of the big racers and and why they're so important you know what i mean Absolutely. And then then you guys might actually even want to go up and meet them because it's like, okay, that's all all this has been like pre-established for you. And you're like, okay, I got a well, great opportunity. A, Just tell and us. As a, and as a guy that's nuts about marketing and online marketing and digital media, I would have loved to have spent 10, 15 minutes with each of the drivers talking about what kind of impact social media was having on their, you know, on them and, right. and everything. I mean, it could have made it really special, but instead it was just a, a herd of people just like each other with the same thoughts and everything else herded into this nice room, eat, drink, and then go home. And the celebrities probably felt like, well, that was a waste of my time, right? The ones that went the, in there. I'm, talk, uh, I'm talking about the race drivers. A couple of the drivers, I think, were absolutely shocked that they walked into a room, into a suite, and nobody knew who they were. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> All right, good. Well, this is good. I mean, it's good. I think people can visualize this while you're telling the story and see how it could go wrong. Um, so now let's, let's talk about, um, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. I'm a marketer. I want to, I've got a hit list of people that I know for a fact have influence in the industry that I care about and I've done my due diligence. How do I approach these people? You want to tell them your story. Obviously that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. So you want to know what kind of value you can bring to their audience, right? And, in you're, we're doing it right here. Right, we're talking about influencer marketing, and I'm able to do it on your podcast and and go out to social media marketing world and talk about it, and and so that's bringing value to your audience, and that's why you want to permit me in as an influencer, and that's what's so very critical is you have to provide value. You know, at what point do we start talking about campaigns and stuff? You know, again, like I'm the marketer looking to quote unquote do a campaign with an, with influencer X. I mean, do people just literally put this stuff out on the website and say, this is how we work or how do you broach this subject? With us, it's, it's a, it's a really important relationship. We, we want to build a long-term relationship with, with the people that we're working with. And so a lot of it is talking to them about how we talk to our audience. Um, So, so I'll give you a pretty example. This happens every single day. Someone pitches us on a story and they say, you know, this CEO wants to talk about X. And I come back and I go, yeah, our, our audience doesn't really care about X. But I noticed that he worked for this company. And I'm curious what kind of problems he solves for marketers. Because that's, if I can write about that on our marketing tech blog about, 
you know, what is, what is the problem that the marketers are trying to get to? What are the, the tips and tricks uh, and advice, you know, to, to reach that, you know, to solve that problem and then talk about how your solution, you know, helps the problem. That's when I know I have a win on my site. That's the value that my audience um, knows and accepts and, and loves every day that I write like that. And so a lot of it is figuring out that balance between the two of you. What are you good at? What is your audience like? What are they receptive to? What do they click on the most? What do they convert with the best? Uh, and then we can craft and develop campaigns that really work to that. For some of our clients, it's uh, it doesn't even make the website. It's things like infographics or webinars or case studies. Those are more important than me writing a blog post. For others, it's introductions, right? You were just talking about that before, networking. And I know these people in the industry, so can I make those you know, introductions? And so all of those things have different value, but it's really important for the advertiser, let's say, and the influencer um, to meet on common ground and figure out what is the most compelling way for them to, to convert that audience over. For those that are listening right now that um, um, maybe are influencers, but they don't have a formalized program in place to work with sponsors when they come a call in, what advice would you give to them? The, the first one I do is I, I talk about the value. And so I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, uh, and I can, I can talk about them freely. They don't mind, but um, Lead Forensics is a company that they do the IP identification on websites. So for B2B, you can see what companies are visiting your website. And, uh, and, and so Lead Forensics came to us and talked to us about you know, building some kind of relationship. And I said, no, let's not do that just yet. Let's write about you and see what that response is, looks like. And so they built a custom landing page on their side, and then we invited people over, and we provided, I think, an introductory offer of some sort. And they got an incredible um, response from that. Did you and offer who, that at a price or for free or in an affiliate I, kind of relationship? I, our blog is free. We don't do paid paid, paid posts on our blog. Okay, uh, so but it was a way for you to demonstrate your influence to them, right? That's exactly it. It was a way for us to demonstrate value. And then we built, you know, a relationship now where they're a sponsor of the site uh, and, and we get, you know, bonuses based on signups and, and things like that. But I want to make sure that there's value there first. So I don't want to just say, oh, well, you're going to, you know, pay us $5,000 a month and, and uh, we'll see if this works or not. I would much rather do some type of, you know, I think the, the old term is, you know, the monkey's paw, right? You know, you, you get the monkey to stick his paw in the jar and, and, and they can't get their hand out when they grab something really big. That's what I want. I want to get someone, I want to give someone a taste, a flavor, and then see if it's going to work. If, because here's the thing is I'm an influencer. I, I have an audience and I care for that audience deeply. If I started spamming my audience with someone that they're not interested in and a product that's just paying me out the butt, uh, I'm going to lose my audience. And what happens then? I love, I've lost my trust. I've lost my authority and, and I've lost my ability to get other sponsors. Yeah. So, so this is very important. So what I hear that. you saying, what I hear you saying, this is critical that everybody listen to this is that um, if you are an influencer, you should, 
you should be very clear that this is not for everyone because, right. and, and you need to let them know, look, if it's not a good match, it actually hurts me and my business. And That's I think good. a lot of influencers are going for the money instead of thinking about the long-term effect. Wouldn't you think? I, I think you're absolutely dead on there, Mike. And, and that's with our jobs as a whole, right? You know, whether you're running an agency or a social, you know, if social media marketing world invited 20 lousy speakers, <laughs> you know, because they, because they paid you sponsorships, you know, what would happen to your event? It would, it would destroy it. And so, absolutely. so we have to be, we have to be very careful. Um, I, I have a trusted audience. That means they trust me. If I violate that trust, I, I've lost everything. Um, one of the things that you talk about is measuring the impact of, of campaigns with some sort of call to action. Um, now, whether um, now, now we're now switching back to the marketer who wants to approach an influencer, um, what should they be, you know? What should they ask? How how should they measure whether or not the campaign is working when they're working with an influencer? For us, it's it's definitely that that engagement um, of influence. Uh, I, I mean, of sign up to conversion. Gotcha. And so, so there might be initial things like demonstrations and downloads and things like that. But ultimately, it's it's we want to point to conversions. We want to make sure. And sometimes that takes time, right? You can't. I can't put up a blog post and expect people to sign a hundred thousand dollar contract with a a marketing automation company tomorrow. Um, but if that marketing automation knows those leading indicators that, wow, they, you know, we had 300 people watch the webinar and we had 30 people that we, ha- we have a follow up with. Those are strong leading indicators that they can, they, that they can close a sale down the road. And so we, we're, we're big on those marketing. That's why I love like custom landing pages. If, if a sponsor comes to us, if they can build out a custom landing page that I can point people to, um, through the blog post and through our ads and and through our conversations and I have I typically have you know redirected URLs on the marketing tech blog for them uh, everything I want to push everybody to that landing page so that we can measure the impact uh, absolutely discreetly um, through that path now other people will make it outside that path of course um, but I want a discreet way to measure that measure that engagement with them. Awesome. We've been talking with Doug Carr about influencer marketing, and I'm sure a lot of people right now are either thinking, hey, I'm an influencer. Maybe I need to start working more with sponsors or, hey, I'm not an influencer, but I would love to work with some. (laughs) And I know that either side of the equation, I hope people find a lot of value in this dialogue. Now, Doug, before I let you go, um, where can people discover more about you and what have you got coming up? I think we talked in pre-conference about something exciting you're working on. Yeah, well, the Marketing Tech Blog, of course, you can, you can go there, marketingtechblog.com. You can reach us on Facebook and Twitter and, and Google Plus while it's still around, right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then our podcast is Edge of the Web Radio, uh, and you can look that up on Stitcher and iTunes. But we're starting up a, another series. We found that our, our, we have a fantastic following on our podcast, but it's, it's almost like a newscast, not in-depth like this is. Uh, and and we're missing that element, and so we have people on our show typically for like six minutes or eight minutes on the, on edge of the web radio. What we want to do is follow up and have much deeper conversations with them. So we're starting. A, I think Scott Brinker of of uh, uh, Scott Scott is a is the other marketing tech guy <laughs> cool. in the in the industry, 
And, uh, and Scott, I think, will be our first one. But we're going to start up just doing a ton of in-depth interviews. So look out for uh, – if you, if you just look for the Marketing Tech Blog podcast anywhere, you'll see uh, – you can, you can sign up for it and you'll be able to get both of those. Douglas Carr, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insight. On behalf of everyone listening, I can tell you I thought it was awesome. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate that and, and always love working with you guys. Well, I hope you found value in that interview with Doug. Uh, just a couple things. If you men- if you missed anything that we mentioned in the show at all, well, we take all the notes for you. You can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 139. That stands for episode 139. Also, if you're new to the show and you have not yet hit the subscribe button on your podcast player, please, please do so. Also, a great way you can um, help us get the word out about the show is by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. Literally, you can do it right now from your smartphone while you're walking or whatever, but not while you're driving. And it'll populate a tweet into your Twitter field that says, I recommend this show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.